Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. This uh, next few weeks, we're going to be studying in the book of uh, Galatians. And, of course, you know this book only have uh, six chapters. And uh, we're going to cover them in six weeks or so. We want to um, start by going over a little introductory uh, thing with uh, Galatians this morning. So this morning we're going to be doing some introduction to the book of Galatians. And we want to give you some information uh, that you may already have. First of all, we want to uh, go over the author of uh, Galatians, which you can already see at the very beginning of it. Uh, You know, the books... In the New Testament and the Old Testament, for that matter, have a lot of controversy on who wrote them. And in the New Testament, in Paul's books, several of his books, um, to me, that it's obvious that he he wrote. There's a lot of contribution, controversy over whether he did or not. <clears throat> but this book of Galatians, there's not much uh, argument about whether he wrote the book or not. This is one of the uh, few books that you can look at and uh, where there's no argument about who wrote it. Uh, most of the people agree that he wrote this book. And of course, I accept that he wrote all of those who are def- those books that are definitely attributed to him. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, and we're not going to be dogmatic on it. But I believe, and and you believe, I'm sure that Paul wrote this book. He said he did, and I believe it. And so, um, even the modern critics of this, uh, of the authors of books, uh, concede that this is a Pauline uh, epistle. And um, for one thing, we want to look at the background of this book. Uh, When you look at the background of Galatians, it's, it's hard to 
uh, tell which uh, group of churches of Galatian that Paul is writing to here. If there's two uh, Galatians, one in the northern part of the Asia Minor and one in the southern part of Asia Minor, uh, in the uh, Roman providence of Galatia. Now, I accept the fact that he was talking possibly about the one in the southern uh, region. Of course, <clears throat> I'm not extremely dogmatic about it, but I strongly believe this is the church that uh, he is writing to because of a couple of reasons. For one thing, it seems to be the one that was established in about uh, on his first missionary uh, journey. When you read it in Acts 14 through 14.23, I believe that this is the congregation that uh, Paul uh, is talking about in this epistle. And because uh, he went back to visit uh, this area in his second missionary journey. And there's a, a reference in the second chapter to him going up to Jerusalem to a conference. And I believe this is the conference that's uh, connects with the conference in Acts, the, the 15th chapter. And I believe this is that conference. And that's, that leads me really primarily to believe that this is the church that he's talk to, uh, talking about. And so when we uh, are dealing with this, I'm going to say that this book was probably written somewhere about A.D. 55. Now, uh, Paul and together with Barnabas, when they were visiting uh, this area, I believe that was a church uh, <coughs> established by Paul and Barnabas. Of course, now when he went back to visit, Paul and uh, Barnabas kind of had gone their separate ways and kind of split up on that. Uh, of course, when this uh, congregation had been established, we see that some Judaizers uh, had come in and start teaching that uh, it, the people had to keep the law of Moses and to be circumcised. And this, uh, you know, uh, connects with the idea of why they went to Jerusalem in the first place and uh, to argue against this fact. And Paul would not accept the uh, doctrine that some was teaching that the Christians had to keep the law of Moses and to be uh, circumcised. So I believe that the uh, time of this book was written about A.D. Uh, 55. So it depends on what, you know, theory you believe about, you know, what church he wrote it to. 
as to what you might believe about the time this book was written. Uh, if you believe the other uh, theory about it, the northern theory, the ethnic Galatia, as they sometimes refer to it, uh, he would have had to write this book about 57 or 58 uh, A.D. And so we are going to kind of look at a few things that we're going to be going over in the book of uh, Galatians. Now, he, um, first of all, you see that, uh, as I said, that authorship, he writes with such, uh, <clears throat> he starts out the book by saying Paul, an apostle, and he tells you right away just about why he's writing this book. Uh, first of all, we see that uh, he starts off by letting them know that his apostleship was not the apostleship from man nor by man, but that his apostleship was given to him directly from God and that he, he's teaching God's word and not the word of man. He's not teaching what man wants to hear, but what God has said. So many times when people are teaching Today, they are teaching what people want to hear. And uh, so, uh, Paul starts all right, why are we by letting them know that he was teaching the word of God? And then the first five uh, verses of Galatians, we see that uh, he is uh, just uh, going, greeting them and he always starts his epistles off by uh, greeting the people. and he, he, You can say that Paul's epistles are generally consistent. He uh, begins them by his greeting and he ends them with a uh, benediction. So this is his regular salutation to most of his epistles that he writes. Then in the in the sixth verse, uh, through the tenth verse, he gives you a, a very great reason why he's writing this book, because some of them were turning back and trying to go back. They, they had been persuaded by these Judaizers uh, that they needed to go back and keep the law. Uh, of Moses. And so in here he marvels in the sixth verse you notice that they were so soon removed from uh, the gospel. Uh, he had been through and taught them the gospel and then these people had come in and persuaded them that this was not uh, right, that they needed to go back. And so they were attacking Paul's uh, apostleship along with uh, uh, trying to discredit his teaching. And they were accusing him really of uh, uh, being overly liberal and 
kind of ordaining uh, loose living. And, and so Paul, he starts off, first of all, by defending his apostleship. And so we see in, in this chapter that he uh, goes into telling them that his apostleship was of God and not of man. And he, he is strong in his defense of the gospel. Uh, beginning in the third verse, third chapter, from third chapter through the uh, fourth chapter, he talks about the faith, justification of the faith, and uh, we can see him uh, talking about that. Now, one key verse that you should remember in in the book of Galatians is in the fifth chapter, uh, the fifth uh, chapter in the first verse. And here's how it reads. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So you see the, the idea of liberty throughout this book. And sometimes this book is called the Magna Carta of Christian living. And you know what the Magna Carta was. It was a... Uh, historical uh, chart that was signed uh, in 1215 by the king of uh, England at that time. I think it was King John. And, of course, he was kind of forced to sign it, <laughs> kind of pushed up against the wall, signed it. Didn't, the first one didn't really. Uh, it's not the... It, 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 it took about two or three times for them to get their... Uh, uh, down to really getting it off, but that Magna Carta I think was signed in 1215 and it expressed the liberties for the people and sometimes this book in Galatians is sometimes referred to as the Magna Carta of uh, Christian living and we look at the outline of the book here we see the first 10 verses there is verses that uh, talks about uh, his apostleship, talking about the divine origin of his uh, gospel. And, of course, you can see that throughout the uh, uh, Bible. In Paul's writing, he always stresses uh, that. And you know, he talks about in the 12th verse on through uh, 17th verse, that covers his uh, uh, pre-Christian era. You know, he tells about the time when he, before he became Christian, he kind of persecuted the church and that he uh, had obeyed the gospel. And then he talks about his relationship with the other apostles, when you look at the uh, 18th verse in the first chapter through 
the 20th through the second chapter, talked about his first visit with Peter and how he uh, uh, went up to, to see Peter. And uh, he talks along those lines, talks about the council at Jerusalem, which we were just uh, talked about, and how uh, he his gospel was sanctioned by James and Cephas, uh, Cephas and Peter, same guy. Uh, his gospel was sanctioned by them, and and in Second Peter uh, two ten. We see that. And he see that he rebuked Peter because Peter was being uh, a hypocrite. And, uh, and so we, we see all about that. And of course, Brother Tom going to be talking about that, I'm sure. And when he brings the second chapter, week after next, uh, <clears throat> Peter's uh, hypocrisy you know, we we look at that, and and you know, uh, we 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 talk about being a hypocrite. But I wonder sometimes if we're not that way today ourselves. But in a, in a way, we talk about his speech to Peter after that, and that throughout that chapter. But now the next part of the book is talking about Paul's. Defense, uh, his defense of of the gospel. Again, we we say throughout this book about his defense of the gospel because really that's exactly what it was. He he was defending his stance on the gospel, and uh, so in the third chapter we see. He start talking about the gospel according to uh, the gospel of uh, Saint uh, of faith, saved by faith. But you know, there's a lot of false teaching about being saved by faith alone. But you know, faith requires works, doing things to show your faith. To see your faith, and and James argued the fact that we see that faith through our works, and so, but he talks about the gospel through faith, and he goes back and and proves uh, what he's talking about. He he doesn't just say it; he proves what he's talking about, and so uh, we uh, we can see. Uh, his uh, it is uh, a defense of the gospel. If you might not know it, but this thing I'm, I have in my hand is called a bread display, and it's got my notes that I'm using on it. And <clears throat> believe it or not, I lost where I was. <laughs> And uh, I think I can find it, but uh, this thing is uh, a little bit slower this morning than I want it to be. But uh, but I wanted to, yeah, 
show you some things now. Uh, now, he did, uh, uh, you know, Paul always does an outstanding job when he is preaching. He talks about the f- freedom from of sin from the law. And he has uh, some arguments that he used uh, in uh, setting out this, uh, talking about this freedom. And so uh, we're going to look at some of these arguments that Paul used uh, when I find them. (laughs) And uh, so... uh, we do want to turn your attention to this this third uh third uh okay I finally found it I think <laughs> okay uh what what we looking at is one of the arguments he used was a personal argument. Uh, it was, uh, he was talking about how, uh, these people had turned away from what he had, uh, been preaching to them. When we look at the, uh, first part of that, uh, third chapter, he said, you foolish, foolish Galatians. What has hindered you? What caused you to turn away? And when you look at the first uh, five verses of that, you can see that he's kind of appealing to them how they had received the gospel uh, through the Spirit. And it wasn't a gospel of men, but it was a gospel that they received the Spirit. They, they gave it. it didn't teach them the stuff that they were doing. So when we look at that, we see that first argument consists of a personal argument. Then there's a scriptural argument, the second argument that he used in here. And that the 6th through the 25th verse of that third chapter, uh, we see an example of Abraham. He gave that as an example. And then he gave the curse of the law. Uh, pointing out that, that, that intent to the 14th verse and then the priority of the promise over the law. All of this coming in that scriptural part of the argument that he made. And then the purpose of the law, he gave that by scripture as you, we will go over from Galatians 3, 19, 25. Uh, and of course, you'll see the purpose of law, and it was not uh, a law that was supposed to go on and on. And he he kind of warned the people that going back under this law would be dangerous to their salvation. In fact, they would lose their salvation if they go back under the law. And of course, so people trying to hang on to the law today, we know that. And we know that it's false teaching. The practical argument is the next argument that uh, he uses, and that uh, is uh, uh, Galatians three twenty six 
through 407, he uses that argument. And in that argument, he talks about that uh, Christ uh, was, was one, and Christ is one church of God. He talks about being Abraham's seed, talked about the heir of the promise. Uh, we are heirs of the promise, and that's 23, 26 through 29. We can really see that. And then we um, are seeing in uh, the next part of that argument, we're redeemed from the law and adopted as sons. Now, that's the first uh, seven uh, verses of the fourth chapter. Uh, we 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 can see in that, uh, and and he 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 really uh, to tell you the truth, uh, you know was troubled that that they were just trying to go back under that law like that, and then talk about the redeeming rede- uh, redeemed from the law. In other words, when you see something that's been Redeemed, what do you think of? You think about buying back something, buying back, you know, those, uh, stamps that they used to have years ago. I think S Nature Green stamps, I think what they referred to. They used to have those stamps and you could save up so many and you could buy back, uh, articles that they have with those stamps when you save enough to redeem it. So you redeem those things. And then so Christ redeemed us from the law. What does that mean? He bought us back. And how did he buy us back? He bought us with his blood. And so he shed his blood and redeemed us, bought us back from that law. And so uh, Paul reminds these people of that. They are no longer slaves. They are no longer servants under the law, but they are heirs. Uh, heirs to Christ, and so when we are Christian, we we are not attached to that law. We are attached to Christ's law. We are Christian. We servants of Christ, not servants of Moses and law, but servants of Christ. And then there's the argument, the sentimental argument. Now, that when you look at that from the eighth verse on the fourth chapter on through the. Tw- 20th verse, you'll see Paul fears over, over them returning to the law. He's troubled by it. And <clears throat> you look at uh, the 4th chapter, the 8th through the 11th verse, you'll see this fear. It shows itself in Christ. It, it talks about uh, their past and, and their present relationships to him. They had treated him really uh, uh, special. When he, they had received the word and they had treated him fine and whatever, uh, infirmities that he had, whatever weakness that he had, uh, they had accepted it, whatever it was. They he made the statement of reason. A lot of people think that he had some eye problems. A lot of times he made the statement that he would have plucked that, they would have plucked out their own eyes and giving it to him if it were possible. I don't know what his infirmity was, but he had an infirmity. And and that, you know, those who believe that, they have uh, uh, some justification in believing that some things that's mentioned 
in the scripture uh, about the thorn in the flesh, but Paul didn't just elaborate on it and tell us, and so we don't know what it was. He did mention sometimes in the Bible about he wrote such a large letter with his own hand, and that would indicate something to some people about uh, he had some problem with it, with his sight, but we don't know that. It's, it doesn't matter, but uh, anyway, he had some kind of infirmity that uh, kept him from being uh, extremely normal. As uh, I know, well, one time we looked, he had a speech impediment. Uh, he said that he didn't speak too well, uh, but he might have not spoke so well, but he certainly was able to teach well. That's for sure. He got his point over. He was able to get it out. And so we see that as a was a sentimental argument that he made. And we can we can see plainly. And then the uh last argument that he made in this session was the uh allegorical argument and that was from four, chapter 4 uh, verse 21 through the end of the book in this argument he talked about an allegory uh, whose, desire, whose desire to be under their, the allegory first of all their desire to be under the law uh, now an allegory is kind of much like a, a parable, but uh, I, I I don't know I, uh, exactly if I can uh, explain really the difference. But it is a it's a different. I know in my own mind and see it, but I don't know how to explain it to you. But an allegory is a story. It 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 gives uh, uh, maybe names to different things, and they portray certain. Uh, uh, things like uh, you know you've read the uh, John Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's Progress and all of those that's the allegorical thing the whole thing is allegory the way he uh, makes you know different things uh, people and, and all and places you know represent different Things like Vanity Fair and all of those different things uh, <clears throat> that he have in that. You you see that if you read that book, Pilgrim Progress, we had to read it because I forgot most of what I read, but we were required to read that one. And uh, but uh, if you want to know about a real allegory, that portrays a real allegory of things and. This is an allegory of the two covenants here. The representation of the covenant by uh, uh, Hagar was a representation of the old covenant, the law covenant, which kept them under bondage. You know, Hagar was a, uh, in bondage. She represented bondage. And the one from Mount uh, Zion represented uh, the Jerusalem above, which makes us free 
and that was in 24b through the end of the chapter. We see all of those things uh, represented in those arguments that we presented there. And then in, in the next point in the book, you see the call to stand fast. Uh, we, we see that beginning in the uh, fifth chapter, the verse that I just read there, stand fast in liberty of the gospel, which make you free. And that lasts through the, through the tenth verse of uh, the sixth chapter. Uh, it's, and, and when he talks about those liberties, he's talking about a, a liberty that includes the uh, uh, necessity. Uh, uh, it, it don't, it, it, it excludes, this liberty excludes the uh, need for, uh, you know, keeping the law and being circumcised. It's the law of bondage. And circumcision, Paul points out, means nothing. It's nothing. The question of the flesh is right requiring circumcision, according to Paul, it results in them falling from grace. If they were to uh, require that people be circumcised, it would uh, make them fall from debt. They are debtor, as Paul said, to keep the whole uh, law. He points out that we should wait for the hope with faith, working through love. Uh, and, and, and he points that out in this chapter as well. And this is a liberty that fulfills the uh, law. Now, when you look at liberty, liberty in, included in liberty is the fulfillment of the law. And if something is fulfilled, you don't need it no more. You know, if you fill up a glass and you pour some more water and it'll run over, it's filled up, it's fulfilled, it's filled. And, and uh, the law is fulfilled. We, we just be running over if we continue to try to take the law. Law was for a purpose, it served that purpose, and Paul is telling that throughout this book to, to the people. It's a liberty that fulfills the law. And and so he talked about that from the uh, 7th through the 15th verse in that chapter. Well, we made it. I hope that's the first one. Okay, good. I, I'm glad I heard that because you know, sometimes I don't hear things. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we got plenty of time then. Okay, beware of those who would who would uh, bind the law. And he, he had them to be watchful of those who would try to force them, force the law on them. Uh, not too long ago, I taught a lesson about. Uh, the law and tried to convince the people that, that we were no longer under the law. I don't know how many of them uh, uh, believed it or accepted it, but the Bible is clear on that. And uh, the law has served its purpose. Uh, and he, he told them to use their liberty as an opportunity 
to serve one another. And that, you know, we always talk about our rights and liberties and liberties and all sometimes, but our liberty should uh, not infringe on somebody else's liberty. You know, I, we, we overshoot our liberty sometimes. Our liberty really in Christ is working together, unifying ourselves, trying to uh, liberalize our actions by working together, unifying our efforts to serve Christ. That's what our, our liberty is all about. We fulfill that liberty when we work together in Christ. Then we're told to beware, uh, <clears throat> not to use it uh, as an opportunity for flesh, which they consume one another. You know, it's a whole lot of time uh, people work to try and tear each other down and still trying to build each other up. And unfortunately, sometimes that exists in, uh, among the Lord's people. Sometimes we, instead of trying to encourage one another, sometimes we try to discourage one another, tear each other down. That's not what we should do. It should be a liberty in which one is uh, uh, to be led by the Spirit. And you see the contrast of, of that, uh, the Spirit against the uh, works of the flesh. We're told about the works of the flesh and pointed out all of that in the fifth chapters. And then we go to the liberty that in the sense of responsibility, when we look over in the sixth chapter, we see that the uh, liberty carries with the responsibility for helping uh, those to, in, who are burdensome. I don't want to uh, just uh, a second, just mention in the sixth chapter start off by bearing one another with burden, bearing one another's burden. And it tells that uh, those who are to try to restore one another should be, uh, get one who is uh, uh, strong in spirit and who's strong enough to do it. You know, sometimes everybody not equipped with the same ability to uh, go and, and, uh, and, and deal with certain things. I, I just sometimes talk about visiting the sick sometimes. Certain people shouldn't visit the sick because they don't know how. They go and make people feel worse a lot of time than they uh, felt before they came. But anyway, uh, Paul is uh, telling us that we're supposed to help with those who have heavy burdens and those who are best equipped to do that. They need to do it. And then goes on and said, let everybody bear their own burden. And what is he talking about? Is that a contribution, a contradiction? No, it's not. Actually, we all have to share in our responsibility in doing what we're supposed to do to work together. That's what that uh, is talking about here. And then Paul has a confidence in the cross of Christ in the last part of it. We talked about the his confidence in the cross. Sometimes Paul said that his boasting would consist of boasting in the cross. Sometimes we sing that in our song uh, about that. And then the very end of the book, he uh, uses the benediction of the book. So we've tried to go over the first uh, 
introductory points in this, and next week we'll start in the first chapter of dealing with the uh, uh, Galatian epistle. Thank you very much for uh, being a part of the class, and I hope that you have a great week. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.